welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Leah Vickers, a relauncher now retired after a long career in media sales, most recently as the strategic solutions specialist for the Aviation Week Network, which she's going to explain to us in just a second. And we're going to talk about the having a career in media sales and why it's such a great option for relaunchers. Leah, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you for having me, Carol. I'm delighted to be here and, and uh, absolutely love what you are doing with iRelaunch. Well, thank you. And I should tell the audience that Leah and I have known each other for over 50 years. We actually went to elementary school together, and it was only through a series of coincidences that we I've circled back with her now on this professional level to find out about her incredible career in media sales. And I'm so excited about everything, Leah, that you have to share with us today. Thank you. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy we can we can connect in this fashion after all these years. <laughs> I know it's great. So, um, Leah, first, can you just explain when I said um, Aviation Week Network that that is includes a major publication and some other properties, and it's part of a, a parent organization? Can you just walk us through that briefly? Absolutely, absolutely. Aviation Week is actually part of Informa, which is a large media company. Um, Aviation Week Network includes several um, media uh, aviation magazines. There's websites and so forth. And I sold for um, uh, quite a bit of that, both print, online, events. Um, so had goals for every facet there. Okay, that's that's really helpful. And it's, it's a good backdrop for um, the conversation that we're going to have. But I first want to ask you about your early career history and how you got into sales and media sales in the first place. Um, sure. I actually graduated with a degree in communications. And of course, in college, like most uh, college students, I didn't know what I was going to do. And honestly, I did have one teacher inspire me um, I don't know what it was. I'm trying to remember from the class. But at one point he said to me, you would be a really good salesperson. And I had never thought about that till then, maybe because I was just a keen questioner with all the guest speakers. I don't know. But that mm -hmm. thinking and um, I pursued it. I had a couple of friends that were in the industry and began asking questions when I graduated. Um, and also when I was young, I mean, simple little things. For example, uh, our church had a, a yearly big fundraiser and they sold, uh, we sold advertising and their, their guides. And my father would give me a quarter for every ad I sold in the neighborhood. Not a big thing. <laughs> oh, that is great. But I still remember that I think that was probably the initial launch of my sales career. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> wow. When you say, Leah, that um, you there were people who you knew who you were in the industry, do you mean sales more broadly or media sales? Actually, media sales. Um, I had a girlfriend from college who uh, was in, the, in this career just slightly before I was, maybe a year ahead of time. And um, I was still unsure what exactly I was going to do. And in speaking to her and um, 
there was some openings. Um, it was a, a beginning phase for me. There was just one publication. These were back in the days when there was no digital, there was no cell phones. Um, but I, at that time, I started and loved it. I wasn't paid a whole lot at all, um, but absolutely became very passionate about it. And I think that's that's where it began. All right. So this is bringing up all sorts of questions in my head, and I hope I'm reflecting what our audience is is wanting me to ask you. But in the first, can you clarify, first of all, for those of us who are less familiar with media sales, what is media sales? Like, what do you actually do? Sure. No, it's a question I get all the time. Um, it is a it's a broad it's a broad uh, type of adjective. Well, media sales, first of all, just kind of quickly go back, used to actually be referred to as publishing sales. Um, there was no, um, again, there was no digital. It was just print. So you would go sell the advertisement in the magazine and you'd go with hard copies of everything. Now, in recent years, as we know, media has grown tremendously. Um, as media began to grow, we would start selling in you, you, in this type of career, you had to also in your head kind of keep in mind that every year was like a new year in, in the uh, media sales industry because you had the old, there was a lot of people that, oh, just only sold print. How am I going to do digital? But if you kept going to the classes, they would send you through, which they did through my um, different, uh, different um, publishing platforms I work for it helped me to understand it wasn't just about selling banners, but then it became newsletters and then it became webcasts and webinars and so forth. It grew as the industry grew and then companies grew. Then there became media departments. So it was goals changed. It used to be just a print number and you'd go out and you'd sell so many ads and then your job was done for the month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, move to the next month. But um, so it evolved as the industry evolved. Mm hmm. Wow. It, when you think about the period of time that you were in this industry, you really witnessed firsthand the emergence of the digital age and, and the impact of the, of the Internet. Uh, so you talked about that a little bit. but I'm just wondering, um, did it change? Did you have to learn new sales techniques whenever the market was changing and becoming more and more digital? and Absolutely. I don't know. Social media. Yes. That is a very, yes. Um, <laughs> that answer is a definite yes. And actually, I did see folks that um, sometimes left the career because they did they were not interested to uh, go along with the new changes. Everybody has a different opinion of how to handle that. But those that wanted to evolve with the change kept going. And um, we had to take classes. I do remember, Carol, the first time I actually went online, um, I was up, I used to call up on some Silicon Valley companies and I was in a company, they had their first internet live and they said, <laughs> on AOL and I was so excited and I came back told my boss and I said oh I think this is where our future is going <laughs> <laughs> you predicted the future for sure <laughs> it's it was uh it was very exciting seeing the involvement all these years yeah and what you're saying though also is that you have to be a curious person and always learning and you're taking these classes and you have to be a somewhat fearless learner because you're saying some people kind of threw in the towel and said, I, I don't think I can even sell in this new environment. Whereas you were like, I'm going to learn this new environment and then I'm going to sell into it. 
Yes, I, I think it comes with embracing it. And, and certainly it's, uh, it's frightening at the beginning because you're not sure you need to understand it, to have the confidence to go out and sell it. And in media sales, um, throughout my career, I did sell for different markets. Um, prior to aviation, I was involved in telecommunications, civil engineering. There were some medical journals. Well, each one had their own type of website and their own type of different types of, uh, of um, tools that they used to sell. So you had to migrate on their, their type of platform, too. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to take what I knew from this company and I only had uh, three really long jobs in my career, but you, you actually had to embrace what their technology was and how they did it. And, and uh, just like a salesperson, if they said, no, we don't do it that way, you had to say, well, how do you do it so I can learn it instead of saying, this is the way I know and this is the way I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I want to underscore something really important you're saying there in that, you know, you were in these essentially three very different industries, but you were doing media sales in those industries. So how important that was that you had this transferable skill that was viewed with uh, as valuable, even in industries where you had no prior background. Yes, that is correct. I think um, as I migrated to each new position, what the link was is the sales ability. Um, The industry the headhunters tend to run in the same circles. And, um, you know, one thing I remember learning at the beginning of this career, I'm just going to put, there were three things. There was a mentor that took me under his wing and he said, there's three things you always want to remember in this career. One, um, you, you always, you always engage and with your, your boss, your competitors, and you engage with those that are, that are uh, your customers because that will always come back to you um, in your circle. And that's exactly what happens. They, when they are looking for a salesperson, you didn't necessarily have to know the civil engineering perfectly or the uh, telecommunications or the electronics or the aviation. We have editors that know all the details. We had to know enough to sell. We had to know also enough to be able to go in and understand the questions to ask. And um, I mean, funny enough, but, you know, a real good salesperson also has to listen a lot so that they could come back with the proper follow-up. So yeah, it was a skill I learned throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And that's very good advice um, to, uh, so let's just repeat that. Always engage with your boss, your competitors and your customers. Was that, was that the advice? Yes. yes. And, you know, I'm thinking about always engage with your competitors. So you are, I, I don't know where, where that, that would be. Maybe you're speaking at a conference or you're, you're meeting other people in the field who are actually, um, you, you know, doing media sales for, for competing platforms in whatever industry, but they're watching you and they're seeing how yes. you perform and they might be thinking about you not purely as a competitor, but maybe they want to poach you from and, and right. bring you into their organization. Exactly. Um, so you never want to burn bridges is what I learned and be friends. We'd, you know, at a, at a conference or sales meet, or not sales meeting, but a conference or a trade show. Um, if you have a break, it not necessarily, I learned to mingle with my own folks, but um, mingle with them. We don't, we don't trade secrets, but we keep the dialogue going and um, it makes a much more friendly environment, but yes, it also keeps that door open for the future. 
All right. So let's get into the topic that I think a lot of people are fearful about um, and intrigued by. And that is, um, what is your typical day? And like, how do you get to be a good salesperson? And especially fear of working on commission. And I want to know how you looked at that at different points in your career. And was that intimidating? And were there times where you felt like your income was not where you wanted it to be because you were getting a lot of rejections? And like, how did you deal with that type of compensation arrangement? Sure, sure. Well, most, first of all, um, most of the companies, there is a, there is a uh, slight base and there's commission. Um, and yes, it goes up and down throughout the years. It's it's never the same. And we have goals and being worldwide, most of these publishing companies, their worldwide go- goals besides the US, Asia, you know, some had Latin America. Um, there was uh, folks from all over the world that we had to report to, not just our US publisher. But um, rejection is probably the number one thing as salespeople that that you do face. And I think number number one on that note, you really can't take personally the no. I learned as I developed my career that when they said no, and oh my gosh, you hear it so many different ways, that's when my job really began. Um, and that's actually when, um, a lot of the the publishers I dealt with would give me an account because they knew that's when it got my blood going. Um, became a challenge and it, it's it's a it's like there actually should be a NONO 101 uh, <laughs> class. Yeah. There uh, should be, you know, on how to deal with going forward, because we as salespeople, um, we actually need to hear no to get better at what we do. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't hear no, you're not going to be be able to get strong enough to go on to the next um, obstacle. But I think there's something I learned. I'm just going to go back a little bit in time here. My daughter had a kindergarten teacher. I remember so well. Um, and there's something she said to the class, and it still sticks in my head. Never say I can't. If you replace the words I can't with I need help, and it's a reasonable request, you will get anything you want in life. So mm. I look at that as those that say I can't get that account. I can't go back to them. They said they'll never advertise. They're always going to be with the competitor. If in your head you say I need help, I'll go to other people uh, within my management, other departments. I'll look at other ways that perhaps they could advertise. Um, There are ways around and it may take a while. It may take six months. It may take a year, but that's really the fun of being a good salesperson. And it doesn't evolve overnight. And boy, I had my shares of no's. (laughs) And do you think it was your personality type that allowed you to sort of brush that off and not take it personally and bounce back? Or did you have to learn that? Like, was it, was there a period of time where or early on that you got a lot of rejection, you're just thinking about how do people manage in this field or right away where you're, you're just like undaunted by that? Well, I think you learn it. It's not at the beginning when you're starting out in the career, it is a little tough. Um, I think that's where I learned to really um, embrace my hobbies. Um, you know, if you're, I happen to be a swimmer, if you do yoga or you're a swimmer or you're a runner or something that helps build up um, uh, your confidence and you can, your, I guess, is a release for you. Uh, you could take a walk in the park, whatever it may be. And I've learned throughout the year, listen to music. Um, it, it, you go back and you're refreshed. Um, 
talking to colleagues and, you know, your superiors and coming up with new ideas to um, embrace the new sale. But you got to go back refreshed. You've just heard no. You've been hung up on. You, the old days, you were hung up on, you mm-hmm. know. Nowadays, it would be the the text or the email or, uh, you know, the Instagram or the LinkedIn or wherever you're communicating, you're turned down. So you have to go back in a new way and you, you have to really refresh your head before you could refresh with that prospective client. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that that's super helpful. So that self-care piece is really important, you're saying, when you're dealing with a lot of rejection. And then what about this pressure of making your numbers? I know they're related, but... Um, how do you manage that, especially when you're going through a period where, you know, you're, you're not getting there at the rate you thought you would get there? Absolutely. Um, that, yeah, that's another frustrating. Uh, that's another frustrating part of the job. You come through the gates and you always hope for a good start to the year. It doesn't always work that way. And you, again, you can't take it personally. Um, the market could also be reflecting where the industry's down. So you may not be the only one talking, I think, to um, to those in the industry and your colleagues to get a kind of a feel and a taste of where it's going, talking to the editors, others to just get more of an education. One thing I did learn is when the industry was down quite a bit, um, you still do not want to go away from seeing your prospective clients and your clients, even though maybe their advertising base has shrunk. You want to keep in front of them. Um, you're in it for the long haul. It's, you know, you want to win the war, not the battle per se. Um, so just keep engaging and not getting frustrated. And it is difficult. Again, it's back to the, you know, there should be a 101 and how to yeah how to manage the word no. <laughs> Very interesting. So um, is it, what's a typical day look, what would a typical day look like for a media salesperson today? I'm um, no. not. You, you, I know you. You had this long arc of your career where I'm sure your typical day was very different. You know, 20 years ago and 10 years ago than than it is now. So what what is a typical day like sure. now for a media salesperson? So um, actually, um, when you're closing an issue, uh, engaging with your customer. So basically, you've got your list. You know, there was always a list of things to do, and which could be interrupted, as we all know, but um, closing the next issue, making sure that the deadline uh, for those that you're prospecting, you've covered the basis, um, going back to those that maybe said no, but there might be a change. Um, and then you also want to maintain your current customer base, even if they, protect, for example, run in every issue, you don't want them to go away. So you need to, I might throw in a lunch to go see my regular customer in the day, come back. And then there's, uh, we're closing uh, for the website, the next the, the website closes a lot sooner. But oh my gosh, someone so said they're going to run a banner, a newsletter. I've got them on my list. They said call the end of the day. It really is an industry that you're always on. Um, you know, you're talking to Asia in the morning. You're talking to uh, or Asia at night, Europe in the morning. So um, typical day is really to have a list of who you need to contact. Make sure you do, um, and the follow up is very important. So follow up letters after appointments. Um, we're more of consultants than we are of salespeople. And I always would use this in my presentations. You know, I want to make you look good. I would tell the marketeer that I'm dealing with or the VP of marketing, 
um, or the VP of the company, depends where the role is, where the marketing goes up the ladder. I want you to look good. How can I help you look good? What is it that you folks are looking for in your market? How do you want to grow? What can we do to help? Uh, you want to please their customers' customers. So, you know, these are types of things that I would ask in person on the phone. But typical day, yeah, appointments, follow-up, um, and closing issues. And so you said a few things that um, making me think of a few more questions. So this this idea of the consultative sale, um, and and did you like so even if you're selling like a banner ad or an ad in magazine or some sort of um, longer campaign, you said you know you're in it for the longer relationship, and like and you're talking about how to make your your marketing person look the best is like. How do you look at this as a consulting type of relationship? Do you do a lot of research on the person or the company? Yes, absolutely. Both. Um, to be truthful, you you used to only be able to do research on the company. Now, with the way we can research people as well, it helps to go in the more knowledge you have ahead of time. Um, we, I would go in, for example, before an appointment, typical typical few hours night before or before the appointment that morning, research the company, what their objectives are, what trade shows they go to, see how it uh, fillets in with our trade shows. Are we going to have distribution at one of these so that I could sell that particular issue? Maybe there's something above and beyond I see in their website that I think, oh, this would be a good marketing opportunity for them. I see they're trying to accomplish this. And that's the research on the company. Now, back to your other Question, Carol, on the person. Yes, absolutely. It's good to be able to look up on LinkedIn a little bit about their background. Hey, I see you used to work, blah, 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 or you went to school here. Hey, I went to school there too. Something to bridge the gap, to put you together so there's a comfort level when you go in and talk to them before you just start talking about the magazine. So, you know, I one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you think people are just born salespeople or they they like they can learn it? And are there certain personality types that are more inclined to do well in the field? But I'm also as I'm hearing you talk, think about people who who um, view themselves or, or feel like they have true aptitude in research heavy or idea heavy um, uh, occupations that, that I mean, if, if that's a skill set. That sounds like that also could be helpful. Yes, I think it's a learned skill set. I mean, I'd love to be able to say I was born with this, but no. <laughs> I, <laughs> the other thing on that note is even after years of doing this, of course, the companies I worked for had some ongoing training, and most recently it was through LinkedIn. But when we did do the updated training, because there's always something new to learn, my attitude, because lots of times they'd go around asking, well, how long have you been in the industry? I never really wanted to say, because then you're looked upon like you, you're supposed to know everything. And that's not true in this day and age. The technology is evolving so quickly that if you say, oh, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm new at this um, for this year, because actually technology is new, you'll embrace it in a, in a fashion that makes you makes it more appealing and, and fresher and newer. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you, you the classes help. You're not born with it. It's learning. It's uh, and it's engaging, reengaging. And I think I mentioned earlier being a good listener. I know a lot of my clients tell me the number one thing they really want is somebody to to be able to follow up with their ideas and not just mm -hmm. 
And lastly, too, before I forget, many a time, we don't know the answer on the spot. If they ask me something, I'm not quite sure, and I need to think about it or go seek some of the uh, you know, proper guidelines through my management, I'll be honest and say, can I get back to you? I, I, I think they respect that. You do have to get back to them. But instead of saying you know everything on the spot, um, they respect you more. And um, you know, you'll have the door open for that company and that advertiser a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever use these customer relationship management, you know, these CRM systems? And how, if so, how did you learn them? Yes, we did use them. Um, oh my gosh, ever since they started. Um, how did we learn them? There was training. Each company, each publishing company does it a little bit differently. So they would have a little training session going on and um, you know, like anything else, the more you use it, the easier it becomes. Um, but they're constantly the the media companies were always evolving with you know a new CRM and oh my gosh, if we were on one and we had to change it, and you know you're in the middle of closing issues and there's a trade show coming up and you know you're whatever um, you you just have to go along with it. There's extra hours and extra time, but then you know it will slow down once you become comfortable and. Um, but yes, absolutely. We were CRM is a big part of it. Any way to make our job easier, and mm-hmm. you know, with management and so forth. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, you know, this is about relaunching our podcast, so I want to ask you about your relaunch, and I want to know if you can share with our audience what precipitated your career break, and then how you got back in. Sure. And when you took that career break? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was approximately ten years ago. I was working for a publishing company and I was about almost there. It was between nine and 10 years and the company was bought. The parent company was bought and there was a couple hundred of us let go in one day. Um, So it was a dev actually, and I was ready to have a big birthday that year. And oh my gosh. um, So it was devastating. It wasn't, there was no preparation. Um, it was just a, you know, boom here. And in fact, I remember I was in the middle of a big proposal for an advertiser. And um, then I was just, I would, you know, they said, you've got till the end of the day. Don't take this personally. The company has their own people and you're gone. And it's, it's just, you know, your gut just kind of come out of you. I, I remember, you know, that's probably the ultimate no, no, you know, you know, as a salesperson, you know, you can bounce back the next day, but this is, oh my gosh, I have to come back now and I have to get a new job. And, um, how do I do this? Where do I go? How do I navigate? It was, a I, I, it took me almost a year to get the next position. Mm -hmm. Um, and how did you go about getting that next position? And, and I know it ended up being, your the aviation work that you were doing and how how did you even think to get into that particular area and then get a job where you really had no prior knowledge in the field even though as we've already acknowledged you had tremendous knowledge in the function of media sales and tremendous success records yes yes um well i got busy on in classes uh linkedin there was classes uh one thing the prior job did offer us and i took advantage um you know, they, they had a, a package boy. I didn't even know what a package meant until that. But then I understood quickly. And that included if you wanted to take classes, update your resume. I hadn't done a resume in so long, um, which is also a good point to always keep that going. But um, 
so so basically I was on LinkedIn every day, um, you know, and as we all know, uh, at LinkedIn and look for in publishing companies websites. But LinkedIn in any any time nowadays, you, you fill out the application it goes into a big, dark hole. Um, mm-hmm. So with the aviation industry, actually, I took it a step further. I saw that on LinkedIn originally, and I thought, well, I'm just going to look at who the publisher of this magazine is and do a little email. Um, what have I got to lose? Um, mm-hmm. And I, um, I emailed her, and she actually emailed me back. She just come back from a business trip and said, oh, my gosh, we're ready to pull the trigger and hire somebody, but I see you've got a good background. Let me talk to my boss, who's the president of the company, of aviation. And I think we might like to fly you back here. And so I actually did uh, get an interview from doing that one little email, taking it beyond the, the, the big black hole in LinkedIn, which LinkedIn is great, but you know, you're kind of, you don't know what's happening unless you get some sort of feedback. So um, I did get the interview and it was an interview with several uh, people, the publisher, different folks in the company and they had me do an exercise um, in our business. We do a lot of proposals. And so they had me do a fictitious proposal. I actually did two of them. And I remember she asked me on the interview, oh, why did you do two? And mm-hmm. at that point, I knew them pretty well how to do that because I'd done it for so long. I said, well, I wanted to do extra credit. I said it very humbly. <laughs> we started laughing. Uh-huh. <laughs> said, You're the first one that's done two of them. And not to say that got me the job, but I thought, well, maybe it helped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it might have helped. I mean, the, just these special steps that you took, you took, you had the prerogative to go contact the publisher and, and email that her directly. You did uh, two proposals instead of one. Um, you know, you were demonstrating over and over again that that you were creative and you were taking that that extra step. And yeah, it you know it can't hurt. So. Um, the other thing at the end of my interview, I remember just mentioning, and I was telling my husband this at the time, I said, you know, I should just mention that, you know, we are aviation enthusiasts. My father was in the industry. Um, you know, I I just, I wanted them to know I have a passion. We go to air shows, blah, blah, blah. And apparently that's something else they look for, not just a skill set, but if you had a passion for the industry you're selling for, they, that was a big plus. Um so I learned, I learned that at the end as well. I did actually have come close to a couple other opportunities, um, but I have to say one kind of kept me stringing along, stringing along. They kept telling me I had it, but I never had anything in writing. Um, they flew me out to Atlanta. I actually had an interview at the airport. And, um, but, you know, it just goes to show that you really, and then they said, oh, the position is, is we're going to, we took the budget away. <laughs> I was, I was banking so you never want to give up trying because even if you haven't gotten the yes in writing, there's something can happen with the opportunity. Um, so, yeah. And then one other one, there was a health issue of someone in my family and they wanted me to start right away and I couldn't and they ended up hiring somebody else. But then I thought in my head, well, if they're going to be that way, then that's fine. If what if that happened and I was working for them, how would they be? That? So, you know, right. Health and family are important too. That's very high on the list. Right, exactly. So Leah, just to recap, can you talk about how long did it take you to get your role when you think about when you actively started looking and that from then until when you got the job and 
did you go through any periods of discouragement during that time? Oh, very good question. Um, yes, I, it, there was times that I was told I would have a, a, an interview or I was perfect for the position, stay tuned. I wouldn't hear back. I wouldn't hear back. Um, there was a lot of frustrating times. And, you know, in my head, actually, I kept thinking, boy, this is like a salesperson not following up with their, their client. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is almost exactly the same. And it is discouraging. I think my, you know, I, I was also doing a little volunteering then that helped me and just having, you know, a couple of hobbies that I could dive into to get away from it and come back refreshed. But, um, you know, and it, it's the same thing, you know, they come first. So you can't, you can't just call up the person that you interview with and say, Hey, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you call me back? You know, right. <laughs> it's about continuing to have a good attitude and, um, and have persistence does pay off, but in a very good way and know when to pull back and we'll pull forward. And yeah, it, it, that was probably a very, very frustrating time of my life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that we're acknowledging that because when we're relaunching, we can sometimes get into these very prolonged processes and not hearing back from people and it can get frustrating and feel very negative over time. So to hear that, you, you went through all of that and then ultimately ended up with with this excellent role that you were then in for another 10 years. That that was that's really encouraging and instructive for our audience. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Leah, we are running out of time and I want to end by asking you the question we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Sure. Um, I would go back to the, um, well, two things. One, um, just continue to believe in yourself and and any, any type of way you can build your confidence through uh, your hobbies, your, your passions, um, it helps as you're looking for uh, a new career, a new job. Um, you also want to continue to replace the words I can't with I need help and you will actually it will help you to get success and lastly um, just remember you're not alone and talking to peers and those in in the industry your friends family it all it all helps it along it's a big answer (laughs) yeah well excellent advice thank you and thank you so much for joining us Leah Thank you for having me, Carol. It's been a delight. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.